The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take Welcome, Patriots and Freedom Fighters. I'm broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belmont, Pennsylvania, worldwide, as National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 50 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, Twitter, Twitch, DLive, Facebook, YouTube, all kinds of video places if you want to see my ugly mug while we do this. But uh, welcome to two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. I'm the host of the evening, Peter Seraphine, and I've got an exciting show planned for you tonight. Well, let me rephrase that. It's a two-hour show, and I have about 90 minutes of exciting show planned. So I need your help in this first 30 minutes. I got a list of things that we could talk about, but I'm not sure which one of them I really want to talk about. So we've got this first segment to fill up with whatever you want to talk about because it is a live call-in show. Get ready. Get the dial-in finger ready. 512-248-8252 and 800-313-9443 for those that like the toll-free option. But after this first segment, in about 30 minutes from now, we got Dr. Jen Vandewater from the Wellness Company is going to join us. And boy, do I have something to talk to her about. My, um, my beautiful wife was checking up on a prescription. A doctor was supposed to be sending her, and she logged into her little you know, health portal online, and there was a message across the top of the screen that really got my blood boiling. And I want to talk about it with Dr. Vandewater. So stick around for that in the second segment. Then at the top of the second hour, so 7 o'clock Eastern time, if you're watching or listening live, I'm going to have Loy Brunson of the Utah Brunson Brothers Supreme Court case is going to be joining us. And this could be a really fun, news-breaking, aha moment of a show. Because just today, their case went to conference in front of the Supreme Court or within the Supreme Court. Now, Conference, I don't know if he's heard anything yet. But if he has, we'll be the first to know here on this show, on this network, on this broadcast. And that's exciting. <sighs> so, until then, what do we got? We've got um, the lost submarine, you know, that went down by the Titanic. We've got Adam Schiff getting censured by the House of Representatives. We've got an FBI whistleblower, I'm sorry, an IRS whistleblower, who, who says that the DOJ directly interfered with the investigation into uh, Hunter Biden's taxes. So somebody from within the IRS has come out and said the DOJ was interfering, giving him privileged status. We got Fed Chair Powell, who says that the U.S. budget is on an unsustainable path. <laughs> really? Fed Chair Powell, um, did you just realize this? Because I think that's pretty obvious to, like, I don't know, anybody with more than three brain cells that they can rub together. 
I mean, I've been talking about that. See, I've been doing politics now for five years. I've been talking about that for five years. We've we've got the, you know, Joe Biden and John Fetterman clearly mentally unfit to hold the offices that they're in. But yet, if you say that, if you point that out in any way, shape, or form, well, then there's something wrong with you. That's just wrong to point out that the person in an elected office representing me is unable to represent me because they're unfit. And then we've got the update to the impeach Joe Biden saga and what has recently happened with Representative Boebert's resolution in front of the House. So that's a list of uh, six topics. Which of those six strikes a chord and makes you want to talk? 512-248-8252. Let me know your opinions on any of those six topics, and uh, we'll run with them from there. But until you get here, Oh, I don't have to until. We got Mike in Kentucky on line one. Welcome to the show, Mike. Well, Mike Rivera last uh, last hour was kind of down on <laughs> things. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can talk about this on, on here without really offending anybody or thinking it's in bad taste. But have you looked at the uh, story of the Titanic for how... Um, I think J.P. Morgan and some other captains of banking and industry were supposed to be on that boat. And I guess as it's common sometimes when thing, you know, things like that happen, some big, big names will buy a ticket and then they don't show up. So apparently there was a lot of uh, financiers or whatever, and a lot of them, quite a few, were against the Federal Reserve System. So that has uh, a factor there, and some of the theories, I guess, about the Titanic actually being intentionally wrecked. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, have you ever looked into that at all? I've never really looked into. I know there were a lot of rich and powerful people on the on the ship boat, but but there was also a lot, like you said, that that bought tickets but didn't go. Like you know, they they got their ticket because it's the Titanic and I'm rich and famous and therefore I should be there. And they buy a ticket and you know, whatever life happens, they don't, they don't get on board. Um, well, it makes you wonder if those are in family keepsakes, you know, for right? whoever might nephews or somebody that might've inherited the personal papers and effects of, of somebody like, uh, JP Morgan or whoever it was, you know, I, I forget the details of who all was supposed to be on there, but, and didn't show up, but it was a, it was a promotional thing. You're like, oh, J.P. Morgan's going to be on this boat. You might get a chance to talk to him about da-da-da, you know. Yeah, Shoulders yeah, yeah. At the, you know, it's just common uh, a situation, I'm sure, with places like Mar-a-Lago. It's an exclusive, you know, membership, yeah. and maybe you can go there and, you know, have a chance of whatever, playing golf with somebody that's going to do a business deal with you. Rub elbows but, uh, with the big leagues. Well, yeah, and maybe some of their... Uh, their modest touch will rub off. Yeah. That's the hope, I guess. Just like that, people join the lodge, the Shriners, the whatever mm-hmm. fellows, you know, and yeah, uh, try to get... Want to be in the country to, clubs. Yeah, to get anywhere. That's what I was told as a young man by a couple of different uh, people. It's like, you know, if you want to be anything uh, in business, you got to join 
this or such group, you know. Never mind if you you know if you can't buy a job to begin with, but uh, <clears throat> uh, Rivera was lamenting the uh, the state of the country, and uh, he's not the only one. You, you know this, uh, and you're, the case that you're talking about next hour is that this, the U.S. Supreme Court or the nope. Utah Supreme Court? Nope, that's U.S. Supreme Court. That, that's All one right. of the fun things that we want to talk about. It is the uh, the um, I can't say unprecedented, the um, rarely used, uh, oh, what do they call that? I, I can't remember the legal term. Uh, the certiority. Uh, the, the, uh, the Supreme Court rarely, like not since the 1970s, has exerted certiority over a case. And uh, they either, I'm not, this is part of what I need to talk to Loy about. I, they either have or they are considering it. Um, but it went to conference today, and in, in, the, in Supreme Court language, that means um, the uh, the nine justices sit down in a room and discuss, you know. Well, is this, is or their clerks do. <laughs> yeah. From the people I've talked with that went through law school, uh, a lot of times the clerks are the ones that decide things, and the judges just put their signature on it if they approve of it. <laughs> yeah, you just take the opinions from both sides and shuffle them together like a deck of cards and then see if the judge will si- sign it, you know, if he, yeah. if you know what who he wants to win. But well, I was- uh, William Benny, a year ago, William Benny was all, you know, up in arms. Uh, uh, they totally would not hear his case. I tried to contact his uh, lawyer, which was out of Nashville, Tennessee. I talked to him for a few minutes in a restaurant, and then I called back the next day because I was just hoping to leave a message. I didn't convert the time. You know, they're like in central time. I'm in eastern. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even uh, luckily got a hold of William Benny on LinkedIn, and then he vanished from LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, he kind of blew me off because I was like, I'm, uh, he didn't mention his case. And then I saw him bragging about it and uh, found the name of the case and found the lawyer of record and was able to find him in Nashville, Tennessee. And he just basically blew me off by saying, you know, I can't practice law in Kentucky. And I'm like, but but your case is in uh, Pennsylvania. You don't need any affidavits and support. And, you know, I knew that the um, Electronic Frontier Foundation kept trying to get Jewel versus NSA past the, uh, past the uh, uh, I guess, the appellate level. But a New York judge in Western District of New York uh, threw it out saying, you have to prove damage from the mm. government's Section 702 Act authority, you know, and I can do that. I've got known victims uh, uh, in the entire community saw it because I broadcast this stuff on local TV, which I didn't know at the time was actually a crime. Did you know if you if I, if your if the phone system messes up and you get the audio of uh, some board of directors talking about how they're going to uh, scuttle the company and take it apart? and you decide you're going to tell all your buddies to sell the stock, that's illegal. Yeah. But uh, it happens. <laughs> uh, I actually heard a local business, uh, uh, oh, the mother of somebody that works for a local business here, got a call from uh, one of the managers, and they said, hey, we would like to get your boy to come back to work for us. And so she was very polite and said, you know, um, well, I'll tell him you called. You know, but she didn't want him to go back to work because they partied and were into drugs and stuff. 
and the guy would be gone for weeks at a time, come home with no money because there was always bar hopping and all this stuff going on. So a few minutes later, her phone line locked up with the audio of this guy in his office at the business just running down their workers saying they weren't worth a crap, you know, or whatever. I'm, you know, very colorful language, and he's supposed to be a church-going religious guy. So she told her son, you will not go back to work for that business. And maybe it's true, but that's a tort. That's a damage. Yep, that's damages. Yeah, and so I've had that happen to me. Uh, myself and other people that I know, because this there's something wrong with the code. I think it's in the forward error correction. I think when there's a little bit too much noise and they've split these signals off to all these fusion centers and partner countries that the NSA is collaborating with, including Israel, that any little problem with the signal and the forward error correction can misroute that hot mic audio Unencrypted, by the way, after it leaves your cell phone company, it has to be unencrypted to go across these networks. So you can listen in, and and, uh, because I talked about this for so long, there were um, phone technicians and stuff that came forward and talked to me off uh, air in private, and I found out there's something going all the way back in the plain old telephone system called a hook bypass switch. So that even the old rotary dial phones could be listened into, and if you've ever played around with uh, guitar amplifiers, you know you can plug a set of headphones into that guitar input and speak into it like a microphone. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not the you know the earpiece can be used as a microphone, and I have to wonder about John McCaffrey. You know, he he was found hung just like Jeffrey Epstein in a Spanish prison. His wife of the, I don't know, it's like his fifth wife said there's absolutely no way he hung himself. But he was trying to put on the market a privacy phone that had physical hard switches for the microphone, the camera, like a slide, a plastic door across it, and a hard switch for the SIM chip, uh, and maybe GPS. I can't remember. It was supposed to be, uh, you know, you pick what you need to use, you know, hard switch for the Wi-Fi. Because and, and, all these and a hard switch, not a software switch. So something that you you can hack them, software-defined yeah. radio. But anyway, uh, William Benny's got a, a video interview called Conversations That Matters, and he's enhanced his list from about a year ago because he was livid about the Supreme Court not hearing his case, where he just runs down how they've scrapped the entire legal system. Mm-hmm. First Amendment, of course, no free association if you're being spied on. You know, all your gatherings are are put into your X key score file unless you're with a group that's smart enough to put their voluntary ankle bracelet in a metal box, leaving the car. You know, before they even get to the meeting. But uh, you know, the First Amendment's uh, trashed. Uh, Fourth Amendment, of course, is trashed. You don't have any rights to be secure in your purpose. Per, what is it, papers, purse effects, or whatever, Fourth Amendment. Uh, yeah. Fifth Amendment, you're right to uh, uh, not self-incriminate yourself is gone. And oh, yeah. you can't face your accuser. The Sixth Amendment is gone because they're they're not revealing how they gather this evidence of fruit of the poison tree. You know, you can't face your accusers if it's uh, unknown agents. You know, no. <laughs> but I see it off. They're they're whittling away at all of our constitutionally protected rights, and we've got to stand well, up. So, you, Mike, you really I gotta let don't. you go. Okay, got to move on. 
right. Thank you very much for your call. Always appreciate that. Comment from Kentucky Leprechaun. Hot mics are a killer. And uh, yes, they are. That's Kentucky Leprechaun. He's he's chatting in the uh, the Twitch chat room, watching the video stream for some reason. Moving on to the next caller, we got Jerry in Chicago on line three. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Oh, thank you very much for taking my call. Hey, real quick, because people seem to uh, be a little bit absent-minded about who was on that ship and why it was sailing, and J.P. Morgan backed out, claimed he was sick. He was the owner of White Star Lines. <laughs> and uh, he got these guys together and said, yeah, come on, sail on my ship and everything else like that. We'll have a good old grand time, you know, that kind of crap. Isadora Strauss, John Jacob uh, Astor, Yep. And Benjamin Guggenheim were all on that sh- uh, uh, on that ship, and they all went down with the ship. And you know what's funny is if you follow the money, um, J.P. Morgan took over all, like all of John Jacob Astor's assets because I, I don't know what the deal was with Astor and kids or anything else like that. I don't know if he had anybody to leave it to, but it was like an open estate. And J.P. Morgan took it over. Uh, were you aware of that? No, that's news to me. Oh, man. Okay, well, I, I, you know what? I'm just going off of what I learned about this uh, like six, seven years ago. But J.P. Morgan set up on, uh, oh, I forgot what island it was. You might as well call it Devil's Island or something like that. But he set up the meeting with a couple of congressmen, and uh, they were bought off to vote for the Federal Reserve taking over, like, over our treasury and our currency and everything else like that. And that was back in 1912. And it was done during the Christmas holiday when all of Congress was excused for the holiday for uh, several weeks. It it passed on the 24th. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, it passed. It got to Roosevelt, or uh, not uh, Wilson's desk on on the twenty fourth. Yeah. I think it passed on the late on the twenty third or something like that. And it was a very, uh, um, what shall we say, skeleton crew in the Senate. Well, I want to the, say there the might have been four congressmen there, maybe five. <laughs> and, and, well, they, and, and, they didn't do the little electronic voting thing that we have now. I mean, there were I I it was more than that. Um, but it was not a full accompaniment, and and it could be argued that it wasn't even a quorum. Uh, I, I I definitely heard that argument and seen that argument made. Okay, well, I mean, this is what I'm remembering from, and it's a few years ago, and I'm 63, so uh, I, my mind might be slipping because I don't know what is what crap I was taking that the FDA approved and everything else like that, and the USDA. I don't know what I've eaten, and I, I know I stay away from, like, uh, snacks and stuff like that, and cola and, and pop. So, but, that, you know, you worry about your health because I want to be over, I want to be around till this finishes because I think this is the greatest period of life in time that you could be living because we don't know what's right around the corner, but I'll tell you what. There's a dragon brewing in everybody right now. They're just tired of it. So, and I'm one of them. And my oh. thing is, hey, you want to take my guns away? Come on, you come to the door. You, the uh, Ahad, that, 
uh, that, that signed this bill that you need to come and confiscate all my weapons and everything. I want you to come to the door. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to hire somebody, state, local, county, I, uh, 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 National Guard, please. Because these guys signed up and they're, only, they're, they're doing it for the paycheck and everything else like that, and I'm not the only body bag going out my back door when this happens. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Pennsylvania is, is uh, debating red flag laws right now. And, uh, I, I, you know, obviously, I think they're a horrible thing. And if anybody showed up at my door, I would be, you know, livid. Uh, back to the Federal Reserve Act. Uh, the official count was that 27 senators did not vote on the bill. Um, and, and it supposedly passed 43 to 25. But I have seen a lot of arguments that 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 uh those numbers were made up after the fact and i don't know that to be true i wasn't around in 1913 i've never seen anybody be able to prove their accusation about that but but the argument was like you said it was done uh during the the uh you know christmas holiday break most of those people weren't there so how did they get these votes and but the official vote is 43 to 25 with 27 not voting and then, okay, for, uh, 23 years later, when Roosevelt said, okay, if you hold a gold coin, a mm-hmm. one-ounce gold coin, $20 gold piece, give it you up. can get arrested and uh, jailed and fined if you don't turn them in. Okay, yeah, I don't you know, know how that was ever allowed to go through, but you're right. Yeah, he, he, uh, he made the uh, owning gold coins illegal. Yes, and then what was it, 15 months later or so, he came out and he sold them back to the people for 35 bucks an ounce. They made Instead a $15 of, profit on an ounce of gold yeah. over 15 months. Yeah, they got like $20.17 or something like that, a coin, in, in that you know paper worthless money. Yes. So, I, like I said, man, there's a whole lot of interesting things on... Uh, on the creature from Jekyll Island explains a lot of this stuff. The book by uh, uh, Edward G. Griffin, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what: you read that book, and then all of a sudden, it like wide opens your eyes, and you realize that every rabbit hole you crawl down, you're not going to find the end. It's going to split off thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred times. And oh yeah, it is amazing. You're right. You're absolutely right. There's so many of these rabbit holes that it's hard to tell which ones are real and which ones are, are made up conspiracies. And, and of the conspiracies, were they who made them up? Were they made up by we the people or were they made up as distractions by the people in charge to keep us away from the real whatever's going on over here? You know, the whole smoke and mirrors thing. But, Jerry, I got to let you go. We're coming up to a break. All right. Thanks a lot, man. You have a great weekend. Thank you very much for your call. And uh, he brought up, you know, guns and red flags so i'm going to bring up right to bear insurance if you own a firearm you should uh, definitely have carry insurance and right to bear insurance is rated by pew pew tactical as uh, the most uh, affordable plan on the market and i completely agree with that use code lighthouse at protectwithbear.com and save 10 percent off their already affordable 11 dollars a month price moving on to last phone call of the segment sarah in oregon you've got about 60 seconds five seconds <laughs> Please share the 
Thank you very much, Sarah. Sarah's right. You need to set, share out shows like this, shows that don't get love from Google and Yahoo and the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. Share out links. Tell your friends to watch or listen. It's the only way we on the right side of the political aisle can, uh, can, can be effective and get our message out because we don't get help from these platforms. It is, we're coming up to the end of this first segment. Like I said, on the other side of this commercial break, we're going to have Dr. Jen Vandewater from The Wellness Company. Got a great something I want to, well, frustrating, angry type something I want to talk to her about. And then uh, at 7 o'clock, 30 minutes from now, 35 minutes from now, Loy Brunson from the Utah Brunson Brothers Supreme Court case is going to join the show and give us an update on the case. So with that, commercial break. Be back in about three minutes. I've been sleeping on a my pillow pillow for years. And a couple of years ago, I tried the my pillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the my Giza Dream sheets, and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. And while well, the quilt is pretty awesome too, new products being added all the time at mypillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com. They railed against the crown Another ragtag band Declaring Please remember to support free speech. Support this network, support this platform, share out links, buy their content, use their promo codes, etc., etc., etc. As I promised, coming to us now, Dr. Jen Vandewater from the Wellness Company. Oh, shoot. I had my little my my little sound intro thing, and I don't have my soundboard plugged in, so I can't I can't give you the fancy intro. I'm sorry. That's okay. Hello, Peter. <laughs> Happy to be back. Hey, welcome. So I sent you something in the email. Mm-hmm. So, so my beautiful wife, she, uh, she, she, uh, she walks with a limp and she gets foot problems because of that. And uh, she got a little infection in the bottom of her foot and she, she was checking on a prescription for, for the stuff to put on her foot. And she logged into her My Health account through Mount Nittany Medical Center which is the largest medical group in my area, like all around Penn State and Center County. They're the biggest, most prominent. There's a doctor's office every couple of miles. Logged into their My Health account, and on the screen, right at the top, real big for everybody to see, was this note that says, in order to protect the health care rights of minors in the age of majority, or in the age of majority, beginning March 2023, Mount Nini Health will remove parent or guardian access to their 14 to 17-year-old child's patient portal account. Minors between the ages of 14 and 17 will need to request a new patient portal account of their own and can choose to share access to that account with their parent or guardian if 
they wish to do so. Yeah. So my first thought was, so they're going to be responsible for paying the bills now? Because if I'm paying the bill, I want to see what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. Were, Were you surprised by that in any way? Um, sadly, no. (laughs) Um, disappointed, yes. But, um, seeing this happening more and more, and what is the age of majority? That's like a, what is that? That was like the top of it in like big quotes and big bold letters, Uh age of majority. I'm like, this is some new, new thing they must be pushing. Um, we are, you know, we're seeing this happen more and more. And I know you and I have talked about this before, about the public, you know, supposed education education system you know um parents no longer have rights to their children i mean Mm -hmm. you're really sending them off i mean even younger than five years old handing them over to a stranger and those strangers are of a different ideology a different background and they're teaching children that your parents have no um, authority and no no say and then it's now creeping into the medical system so it started at education now we're seeing it creep into medical where, you know, children are being told, you don't have to tell your parents about what we discuss. Um, no, <laughs> like you say, you're, the bill's going to come to you either way. Um, you should know what is taking place. And we should, as parents, know what's happening to our children um, when they see any provider for any medical reason up until they're of age to make those decisions on their own. I believe this is pushing into what we are seeing a lot of is the transgenderism. And they're trying to get children pulled away from those parents to ask them questions and make them feel uncomfortable with who they are and promote things that go against everything that our nation was founded on, biblical principles of being man and woman. And uh, they're, they're, they're really pushing it on children and pulling them away from the parent is really the first way. We saw the breakdown of family you know, a few decades ago, and that's bleeding into now the breakdown of parental rights. I, I, my head was about to explode when I saw that. Like she showed it to me, and I, I grabbed her phone out of her hands and screenshotted it and sent it to myself. And because I use the VA healthcare system, I'm a disabled vet, um, and I, I, you know, I have insurance because I have children, but I don't even use my own insurance. My kids, my youngest child, just turned eighteen uh, in August, so I, I don't have any more children. Children anymore. All of my children are above the age of majority. So it doesn't really affect me. But I just went to the, this is ridiculous. Like, and, and immediately thought of two things. One, well, then they can pay the bill. And, and two, um, Karl Marx. I mean, the whole, the communist manifesto, the manifesto of the communist party. Um, like one of the, the, 10 steps to socialist takeover or communist takeover is is to replace family with government. Yep. And I just, I can't believe that there are enough medical professionals out there that, that are going along with this. Like, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I don't get how, how can you, you know, you know, we all know the first line of the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. Right. If you're doing you know, 
any of these puberty blocking hormone therapy things before puberty, you're doing irreparable harm. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when I saw that from you, I started to think back to my younger days when I was under the care of my parents and thinking about, you know, what took place for me, you know, and I went to, I went to private school. I was homeschooled for a little while as well. And I went to public school. So I got to taste a little bit of everything. And I remember in public school in fifth grade, they did send home forms to ask, can your child participate in good touch, bad touch and all these things. And my parents opted us out. My parents were like, we're the parent. We're going to teach you um, sex education. Again, very young age in the public school system. My parents said, nope, we want to teach our children. We don't want the school teaching our children. Um, as I progressed in years and got into high school, those forms weren't going home anymore. So 10th grade, still a very you know young age, still under you know your parents, um, they were not sending stuff home and going into sex education health class. We were hearing things and you know you giggle, you're a kid, right. you know you giggle, but they were pushing things then, and it was a little a little skewed, but not to the extent today. And then I recall once too, towards my senior year, all of my friends were going to. Um, this local provider and they said, you got to go see her. She's great. You can tell her anything and she'll not, she will not tell your mom. And I was like thinking about this. I recalled, I went to an appointment and she asked some questions that you don't ask a high school girl and really had me feeling very uncomfortable. And even said to me, she leaned forward and touched my leg and said, anything we discuss here stays between us. Your mom does not have to know. And again, that was closer to my senior year. So I graduated in 97. All this stuff was being started. It was being implemented in a small way. And now we've seen it just really excel to a point that it's unbelievable. We, We can't wrap our heads around it. We don't find words for it. It's so outside of what humanity is supposed to be what we were created for and they're altering and changing everything and these poor children are you know suffering because they're they're not even being taught you know you already question your identity just as in personality you know Mm -hmm. things that foods uh you know clothing i mean i went through each type of phase you know trying different clothes right we all do that it's so normal but to then take that child who's just trying to figure out who they are and now you're telling them they're not who they were created to be? I mean, we're really messing with something dark and sinister, and we better be very careful with what we're doing. I, I completely agree. And and think about, like, if anybody with any any common sense thinks back to their own adolescence and remembers the things like, like the clothing, like you just mentioned. I mean, I spent a year or two with long hair wearing a black beret and a trench coat, <laughs> like, everywhere in Florida. Yeah. You don't wear a trench coat in Florida. <laughs> I mean, we changed so much during those years. We didn't know what we wanted. We didn't know anything. And to think that these people today were like, well, at 14, if I want to be a girl, I should be able to whack my stuff off. Like, that's insane. And like you say, it's irreversible. You can't go back. And all these children that are now grown up that have gone through these procedures, they're living with regret and they're living with damage to their body and unable to reverse some some things that have happened. And that is sad. I mean, I've heard stories 
from girls that decided to be boys and boys that decided to be girls. And it is tragic. They are regretting it. And they were kind of coerced because when you're young, you're very impressionable. You don't, you don't know, especially if you grew up in a home where your parents aren't together and you're bouncing back and forth between mom and dad, or you're with just one parent or you're raised by your grandparents. And you know, these kids are not having stability. And then they latch onto someone in a doctor's office and that doctor's office makes them feel special, makes them feel. And again, you're feeding something in that child that is neglected in another way, but you're feeding it in a wrong way. You know, you want to help inspire the child to find out who they are in who they are with the meaning, the color of their hair, their color of their eyes, the color of the skin, the genitalia they were born with, and then helping them find what they like and walking through it instead of, you know, giving kids this idea that they are not who they were created to be. Here's a comment in one of the chat, an earlier comment in the chat room. Let's go back. Let's go back to the last one. Uh, your company said that they're very lucky to have you on their team. So your company being the wellness company, um, the uh, the group of, of healthcare professionals that uh, that aren't woke and won't try to transition your children right. and are willing to uh, to listen to what you actually need for you and, and not push the government agenda upon you. The TWC.health, the wellness company, um, uh, use code Lighthouse for a little bit of a discount. Help me out while you're there. Uh, you can get great American-made supplements that uh, Dr. Jen here is highly involved with, being the doctor of pharmacology. And um, uh, doctor's visits, virtual doctor care, and, and pharmacists and, and ph- pharmacies and all of the things that you need for your health care, all done through the computer without the woke. That's TWC.health. And uh, use code Lighthouse, and I appreciate that. But moving on to the one I really wanted to say, um, uh, a lot of places don't consider you able to make important life decisions until you're 25 because it's well-established science that your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25. Right. So why do we want, you know, 16-year-olds to be able to vote and or do irreparable harm to their own bodies. Like there, there's got to be something well, there's, here. There's an agenda. We we pretty much can just go right there. It's an agenda. It's to just disrupt the order of creation, disrupt what God has done, how he planned us to be. It's an evil, dark, and sinister um, thing that's happening. So let's just talk about this. Just bring this up for example. You're saying they're, they're, they're telling us children can decide what gender they want to be at any age. But if a child says, I do not want to get the COVID vaccine, that child cannot make that decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's amazing how these these things work, you know, in favor of the wokeness. But if you go against their agenda and you say, well, no, you know, this child doesn't want to get any vaccines. What if they say, I don't want to get any vaccines. I had them when I was... You know, now I'm five and I, they hurt. They hurt when they stuck me with those needles. Now I'm five. I can make my own choices. Well, you're only five years old. You can't make those choices. But if that child says, I don't want to be a boy anymore. I want to be a girl. Go ahead. Right. I mean, it's up is down. Down is up. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. But, you know, really, I feel what's so important is to talk about this, to bring awareness to this. And for those of us who know to fight back, 
Do not support those businesses that agree with that agenda, because what you're doing is you're just feeding into the system. You know, I saw the thing and you probably did about Target, you know, a few weeks back or so, you know, it was like, oh, my goodness. You know, it's like we really do need to stand together and boycott those because that is terrible. We don't want that agenda being pushed. We don't want um, that being out in the, in the public. We need to really stand firm in our beliefs and not back down. The line, there's a line drawn and we're not letting it get crossed. I, I, and I agree. And if, if I were using this Mount Indy healthcare system, I would probably, uh, you know, find someplace else to go, but I'm, I'm not, I'm going to have that conversation with my, my beautiful wife. Um, we've got to do that. Like if, if you're in the center central Pennsylvania area and, and you use Mount Nittany health change, find somebody else mm-hmm. and anywhere in the country. If you see this message coming from your doctors, you need to find new doctors and that that's all there is to it. Well, you company, need to come to us. You I was just going to say your company wants me to wants us to talk about one wellness. So why don't you, uh, to, to yeah. reference one wellness. Yeah, happy to. So people are encountering that they go to their local provider and they're being pushed, you know, things for their children or they're being pushed things for themselves that they don't want. Whether it's a a medication you don't want to try, you want to try natural remedies first or even the injection. And you're saying, wait a second, my doctor I've seen for 20 years is now pushing things on me and not giving me informed consent. That is what the wellness company says. No, we want to give you options. We want to give you informed consent. And with One Wellness, it's an all-inclusive bundle, all-inclusive package. So you pay $200 a month. What's included in that is uh, unlimited visits with a provider through virtual care, unlimited visits with a pharmacist in Freedom From Pharma. So if you have questions on, I don't know what supplements to take, meet with a pharmacist. We will help you and guide you on that. Also, if you're somebody who comes into One Wellness and you're like, you know what, I'm on a lot of prescription medications. I don't know where to begin. I don't want to be on this many. I have a lot of questions. Through One Wellness, you pay that $200 a month. You get access to that Freedom From Pharma program, a wellness pharmacist, and that pharmacist will walk you through your journey and help you figure out what's best for your health and then bring the provider in to start deprescribing off of unnecessary meds. So the last part of this, which is so cool, 10 supplements a month included. So you you get unlimited provider visits, unlimited pharmacist visits, and 10 supplements a month for $200. I mean, that's a deal. Two supplements and a provider visit already covered in that fee. I I was going to say $200 a month, it it might cover the 10 supplements. Um, and, and, And also, in my own head, I'm thinking how much I pay for insurance for my family. $200 $200 a month is about half of what I pay in health insurance right now, which now that exactly. all my children are grown, I will be dropping my health insurance because I'm a disabled vet and I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And and it's amazing because, you know, when we people coming in, you know, we're going to we're adding more and more to this as we go. Um, we just launched this in April, but we want to offer more for people with this program. But you still get to get all the discounts and benefits, free shipping on everything else we offer within the wellness company. So if you yourself are a one wellness member and you're utilizing all the supplements, you can purchase supplements that you need for your family and still get the discount. Or if you want to purchase the allergy free program, I know we've talked about that before. You can purchase that and get the discount. If you need a medical exemption, you can purchase that and get the discount. So it's pretty amazing that it's, it's all inclusive and we're going to add more to it as we go. 
Um, people are really loving it because like you say, they're saying no more to the big pharma insurance agenda. They're coming on board with the wellness company and using us as their primary. Like you say, you're not going to these offices where they're pushing a woke agenda. We don't do that. And even in talking, I mean, we we haven't really gone into seeing children. You know, we really haven't done any of that yet. I want to say yet because we know there's a need for family you know, care within the wellness company. But in conversation, you know what we always say? The parents have the authority. The parents choose. We have in our Freedom from Pharma program, um, a young teenage, the mom is at every appointment, every visit, every time the mom is there. And the pharmacist will not see the patient unless the mom is present because we value we value the parents. We know it's important. Even though you trust us, you guys are nice. We like it. No, mom or dad have to be there and be present for these appointments because we want to make sure that they're aware of what's going on and they can hear things that are happening and then they can help their child off of those visits, you know, with whatever they're struggling with or, or needing help with. I appreciate all of that. And I also appreciate whoever's running your uh, the wellness company Facebook page, who's not only posting links to Freedom from Pharma and One Wellness and things in the chat, but they're they're posting links with my code Lighthouse in the link. Like that's, they're amazing. I, there's they a great team. They're amazing people. I I love them dearly. I couldn't do all of this without them. They've helped me so much. So glad they're here, and they'll be here every time going forward. All right, let's move on to the phones. We got Wayne in Texas on line three. If you want to get on the line, it's uh, 512-248-8252 or toll-free 800-313-9443. Wayne in Texas, go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thank you very much. Uh, I just wanted to ask the doctor, uh, the wellness company created this uh, spike protein formula to help uh, folks uh, fight the effects of the COVID jabs. And I just kind of wondering uh, what all is in it, and uh, are you seeing good results that you could discuss uh, uh, with the public yet? And also, what kind of time frame does this work? I know if someone took a shot about a year or so ago, uh, it may be kind of long in the process where the spike protein is doing a lot of damage. So could you discuss that too, like the time frame that's good for this formula? Yeah, I, I'm happy to discuss our spike support. It is one that I use, and I can't, can't speak highly of it. Um, I'll go through the ingredients so you can know it's all natural. Everything is sourced from the U.S. Besides the natokinase, comes from Japan. That's where it, it is. So, um, But we have dandelion root extract. Dandelion root extract actually binds and inhibits uh, where the uh, spike protein will bind to the cell so that the spike protein cannot insert the virus into the cell for replication. Uh, black cumin seed oil does the same thing. It's an antiviral. It binds and inhibits and neutralizes the spike protein. Like I said, the natokinase, natokinase is a natural antifibrinolytic, so it breaks down clots and also degrades and dissolves spike proteins. Irish sea moss is uh, very rich in minerals and helps to rebuild the body where damage has been done, um, you know, from the spike proteins or any other inflammatory condition. Uh, green tea extract is a potent antioxidant, kind of goes around cleaning up the junk. And then selenium, selenium is a natural uh, trace element that helps with inflammation. So you combine all of those, you've got a really amazing product that helps to inhibit, neutralize, dissolve spike, keep inflammation down and help repair where there's been damage. Um, using this, the, the spike protein or the spike support for spike proteins, it can be used for someone who has taken the vaccine whenever they've taken the vaccine. Those who took this injection, their bodies are now 
manufacturing the spikes. So you you would really need the support to kind of keep that load down because when your body is overproducing these spike proteins, increasing inflammation, wreaking havoc in the body, and also decreasing immune response. And so you want to keep your immune system elevated. Um, so your friend or whoever you know that, that had that injection, highly recommend using it. Because we are in a time of you know unknown right now, I really highly recommend that people utilize the spike support, especially if you've been vaccinated indefinitely until we know more. We are seeing results. Um, we had a patient um, actually in Canada who was utilizing this, went to his provider who does live and dry blood microscopy and saw the slide that the clumping of the red blood cells together started to dissipate using the spike support. Um, we do have a ton of reviews. If you go to our website, uh, amazing reviews, rashes have been helped. Uh, people are feeling mobile again, brain fog has been cleared. So there's a lot of great reviews. We've got over a hundred and I've, I read through them regularly just to be encouraged and to know that we're actually helping people. Thank you so much. That's a, a brilliant uh, response there. And I know uh, I'm going to recommend it to as many people as I can. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. Thank hallway. you. All right. So we had one, one person over in the video chat who asked if it was tied with Zev Zelenko's protocol. And, and your company re responded that your spike support is the only one that contains natokinase. Not to disparage Dr. Zev Zelenko in any way, shape, or form. Brilliant man who did brilliant things. Yeah, no, and, and Zev Zelenko was a part of this coming together of the wellness company. Uh, you can kind of look at that like he was the reason that this came together. And if anyone goes to our website, you can see the video of, of us forming and our founder and chairman, Foster Colson, he and Zev Zelenko were very good friends. And that through their meeting was how this kind of came together. And, uh, you know, it is I am sure he is smiling from heaven to see the progress that we've made and all that we're doing to help people because he definitely sacrificed a lot to take care of people. Yes, he did. Gregory in California on line one. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Love the show. Got some real good uh, coming out here. Uh, right now, I'm almost out of cell, out of cells, uh, own use, so I'm just going to make it short and tell everybody I said hi. I love you all. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for the call. We, uh, and uh, Catherine in ME, what's that, uh, Maine? Hey. Hi, it's Maine, and I have a question regarding, I listened to Karen Kingston, and um, she and an MD, PhD were discussing, and I'm trying to find the video right now on Rumble, okay? And they were discussing the fact that the they were questioning the mRNA viability and that the spike protein could be nanoparticles, um, the pegylated lipid nanoparticle. And, you know, it was a brilliant interview. And I'm wondering if she had ever heard of this or not because they were they're using, and Dr. Leonard Horowitz also recommends um, Humic, a humic acid, okay, zeolite, humic acid. Dr. Horowitz sells zeolove, and it, the humic acid, though, was recommended by Karen Kingston and also elite Dr. Lee Merrick parasitical cleanse, and I'm wondering if she's familiar with these topics. 
Yeah, I, I will say with the um, injection, so the spike protein is encapsulated in the lipid nanoparticle. And the reason for that was that it can enter um, easily into every organ and even cross the blood-brain barrier. So that was the reason. I'm not sure if I'm answering exactly what you were asking, but the lipid nanoparticle with the mRNA technology, that is the, the reason for that. And then it kind of hangs out in those organs and it's really hard to um to detox like you're saying okay i found i found the name of the video it's on bit shoot it's on maria z eee channel karen kingston and dr anna michael michael sia m-i-h-a-l-c-e-a and it talks about the these things are very deep in discussion in the video so um it, are you possible to contact later after you might maybe watch this video? It was posted 20 days ago on BitChute. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'll have to look it up and research it. But um, in I highly to- recommend it because she goes through the patents and such. And the oh, other yeah. one is, yes, the other one is um, posted also on BitChute. And it is posted on Watchman's Duty channel. 14 days ago, it's all parasites, cancer, V-A-X-X-I-N-E-S, remedies, and Dr. Lee Merritt. And I was told Dr. Lee Merritt is absolutely rock solid, and they go through the protocols and the everything regarding cleansing parasites. Because parasitologists in Egypt, they see parasites in the imaging often, okay? And we ignore and then tell people they've got cancer. They also discuss the synthetic, um, the synthetic biology and the intracellular things, and they're made of, of, of a polymer. Okay, so if I Catherine, could contact I gotta, you after you watch those, that would be so amazing. So Catherine, i got to cut you off. We're coming up to break. So I tell you what, Dr. Jen will be back again next month. She's on the fourth Thursday of every, fourth Thursday of every month. Yep. <laughs> so come call back next month on the fourth Thursday. She'll be here again. Thank you very much, Dr. Jen. Greatly appreciate it. See you next month. Thank you. God bless everyone. It's the least we can do for the red, white, and blue. We must take America back. We must take America I'm Peter Seraphine, and So Simple Even a Politician Can Understand is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold or at liberty-lighthouse.com books. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that silently spreads, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. 
We must eat back. Hey, welcome back to the top of the second hour of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on uh, Mojo 50 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, anywhere else you hear or see the show. That was a fantastic last segment with Dr. Jen Vandewater from the Wellness Company. I'm so glad that she comes back every month. She's one of my favorite recurring guests. Don't tell the other ones. But as promised, we've got to this hour. Boy Brunson is joining us of the Brunson Brothers from Utah lawsuit. And um, hopefully he has some fun and fantastic news for us because it's my understanding that the uh, the case just went to conference at the Supreme Court today. Welcome to the show, Loy. Hey, it's great to be here. That's correct. It did. Did, did you get any feedback yet? Uh, we don't hear anything probably till Monday. Okay. That's, that's when the docket usually reflects the decision today. Okay. All right. But so I'm, I wanted to get that out of the way before we go on, yeah. before we started. So let's back up. You and, um, well, you and one of your brothers are named in the lawsuit, if I remember correctly. And the third brother helped you draft it, if I yeah. understand the whole process. Yeah, that's it. So we have two separate lawsuits. Actually, there are four separate lawsuits that have happened. There are two. There are Two at the Supreme Court and one in federal court right now. Okay. And um, you're coming out of Utah. And some of the things that I found really interesting when I did a little bit of research is uh, I, I mentioned it in the first hour when somebody somebody brought it up. Um, the the, the, the uh, concept of certiority. The Supreme Court hasn't bypassed the appellate courts since like the 1970s. That's what we've been told. This is the first time, yeah, that that's happened, that this has happened since the 70s, yeah. So, so the fact that they were even willing to take your case into conference. It blew our minds that they accepted it and docketed it. They, we thought they were going to send it back and say, no, you have to, you know, you have to go to the 10th Circuit with this. Okay. They didn't do that. So they had to, they had to actually make a decision and accept it under their Rule 11. And it's very specific. It has to. They have to agree that it is of imperative public importance. Those are the three words used in their Rule Eleven. Right, and it has to be of uh, imperative of public importance. That's that's so time sensitive that it can't get. Through, you know, you can't wait to go. Yeah, yeah. And in the Rule Eleven, it says they need to act quickly on it because if it it is of, you know, time sensitive importance. Okay. Yeah. So now, I think I. We're getting ahead of ourselves because, you know, you and I, we kind of at least have an idea of what's going on. Um, Let's talk to the listeners for a minute and and let's let's discuss it. So the the big case that that's probably the one that that's gotten you the most fame and notoriety and why I said, well, yeah, of course I want to have Loy on my show um, is is the case that that. To mischaracterize it would would be to say that it's a case challenging the 2020 election. It's not challenging the election. That's correct. It's not. What makes this case unique and why I personally, you know, not a lawyer, um, why I think that the Supreme Court may have uh, have uh, have exerted this certiority rule 11 idea is that you're going after. Well, you're going after our elected officials for dereliction of duty for violating their oath. So, Absolutely. Yeah. 
if, if I'm summarizing it correctly, and please, if, if I get this wrong, stop me. Your case basically says that on January 6, 2020, there were reasonably credible allegations of election fraud or whatever. And by oath, by duty, these elected officials in Congress have a duty to investigate those credible allegations. And by not investigating, they violated their oath of office and therefore should be removed. Absolutely. Did I summarize all that correctly? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty correct. Absolutely. They created, they allowed a huge security breach to happen. They've sworn to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And what the evidence was, was an attack either from domestic enemies or foreign enemies into our election process system. So it has nothing to do with the outcome. It has nothing to do with is there enough evidence if it's, you know, to prove that it should have a different outcome. No, that's not it. It's we've been invaded. We have been attacked. And it was their duty to pause for 10 days to make sure that those votes they were about, those electoral votes that they were about to certify were truly certifiable, free of fraud, free of an attack from foreign or domestic enemies. And so when you have 145 members of the U.S. House and Senate saying, hey, we have a problem here, we better pause, and they don't, then that's a big problem, and it created a huge liability for themselves. And so they've, uh, they've all been sued in federal court, and now we're at the Supreme Court. And uh, today uh, there was a conference. We'll know the results of that on Monday. It'll either be denied a hearing, and if we are denied a hearing, we have another hearing that we can, that we can uh, ask for, and probably would be in October. If we're granted a hearing, then that's a huge breakthrough. And I think the only reason we were allowed to bypass the Tenth Circuit Court this time, even though my brother's case is very similar, uh, is because of the tremendous public support we've received. And also CNN, MSN, Newsweek Magazine, they did three and up to four articles, and that helped people become more aware of this. So it's the letters that... CNN? Yes, CNN did three articles about this. That's amazing. My brother's case. Now, my case is the original case. My case started first, and we launched a secondary one to just make sure we were going to get to the Supreme Court as soon as possible. So the main case with me as the plaintiff, Lloyd Arlen Brunson as the plaintiff, is the one that's at the Supreme Court right now. The first Rule 11, it's stamped on the front of it, Rule 11, the first that has been allowed since the 70s and the first in the history of the United States that someone representing themselves, such as myself, was has been allowed to have one filed and docketed. So this is a historical moment in history, actually. Yeah, I, I'm just flabbergasted that CNN gave you 30 seconds, let alone three articles. Well, well, what they did, and the articles really weren't that bad, but they mischaracterized the complaint as one to put Trump back into office. And that was really not not correctly, you know, explained. So, uh, but the fact that we got that publicity, we got the publicity because my brother's case was denied. And so it was denied twice, but the first time it was denied, that's when CNN and, and the others just went ballistic saying another Supreme, Trump-related Supreme Court case has been killed. And it's like, no, we're still alive. So, so this might be one of those examples of, uh, uh, you know, they, they, 
basically were trying to mock you and laugh at you and it's blowing up in their face and, and they may be the reason that yours actually makes it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that helped a lot. If they had just not done anything at all, it, it might have been a different story. But over 70,000 people wrote letters to the Supreme Court. And so when the Supreme Court received 70,000 letters, they better darn well do something about it. And so, uh, so they denied it twice. But now that all those letters are there and more letters have come in, probably another, I don't know, five to 10,000 letters have come in supporting uh, my case, my petition. Uh, we there's there's a possibility we could see a date for a hearing. And if not, we've got the summer because they break for the summer. We have the summer to promote the letter campaign. And the more every single letter is more power uh, to the Supreme Court, more support to the Supreme Court to make a right decision here and have a hearing. All right. So let's talk about that letter, letter campaign for a second. If, if one of the uh, you know thousands of people out there listening to us right now wants to help, they want to write a letter. How do they do that? takes two minutes. They can go to LloydBrunson.com. It's there on the, on the screen. And, uh, and watch, watch the five-minute video because the five-minute video really explains the, the gist of the whole thing. It's really about the oath of office is supposed to be binding. So they can watch that video and then there's simple instructions. And for a $2 gift, uh, you can write your own message. Uh, with a form letter that's already there, you click the button. You, actually, you can sign your name and it creates a PDF of your signature. It goes to a fulfillment company that prints the letter, folds it, puts it in an envelope, and individually mails it with postage to the Supreme Court of the United States. And when they receive it, the clerk's office, they're required by law to file every single letter that comes in. So they're aware of the letters, and they're aware of public support. So we really believe it's because of you guys out there that have been writing letters that we have a Rule 11 a historical Rule 11 docketed and filed right now. The conference, I'm sure it's probably, it's already happened today. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll be able to look at the docket on Monday. It, something could show up tomorrow, but it's highly unlikely. But we could, well, we're going to check, keep checking SupremeCourt.gov and see what the results are. And regardless of the decision, this is not over. All right. So the $2 gift that you mentioned when you go to sign this letter, that clearly that's not enough for you to be making anything off of it. I mean, a stamp alone is 63 cents. I work for the post office. I know that. Um, and, and like you said, you've got a third party company who's printing it and folding it and all of that kind of stuff. So that's clearly not a money-making campaign. That's that it's just covering the cost of, of sending the letter. Yeah. We didn't want to turn it. Yeah. We want to make it as minimal as possible to cover the nut. <laughs> all right. So that's awesome. I had, I had no idea that, uh, writing letters to the Supreme Court had that much of an impact. That's amazing. Well, that's an- another another historical thing that has happened. I'm sure that this is the first case that didn't make it out of conference that's received any letters at all, let alone 70,000, right? So this is – people are becoming aware of this. And what's one of the really neat things about this is it's not a complicated – kind of logistic, uh, legalese kind of a compli- you know, kind of a lawsuit. It's really uh, Congress has given themselves immunity from, from what we're doing, basically. Yeah. And Article 6 of the Constitution that they've sworn to uphold and defend is very clear. Article 6, very clear with their words that they shall be bound by oath to this Constitution. So you can't be bound by the constant, by the oath and give yourselves immunity. That's a huge contradiction, a huge violation of the Constitution. And the U.S. attorneys, that's what they've been fighting with 
and a num- number of other things. But that's their main defense is their absolute, they call it, immunity. And so we're showing the Supreme Court justices, we're showing the U.S. attorneys, we're showing the federal court uh, officers and judges that that we are on to them and that the immunity that they claim they have is unconstitutional. We're asking the Supreme Court to do something about this. Now, we've had a, we've had a success. We've had a win. This my case that's now at the Supreme Court originally was the first case before my brother launched his. And in my case, on March 31st, 2021, the federal court of Utah ordered the U.S. Marshal Service to start serving my summons and complaint. And according to the docket, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, and 81 others were served my lawsuit. And they <laughs> a deadline to respond, like the 30 days, I can't remember what it was, and by the U.S. Marshal Service. Well, the next day... The court notified me that they had canceled the service, that they recalled it, that they had unfiled my case, and that then they classified my case as deficient. Well, I think they were confused with someone that hadn't, some people, when you don't, when you don't, when you, you plead poverty and you don't pay the filing fee, the court can do that. But when you pay your filing fee, which I had done, the court can't do that. And what happens is when they make an act, act when they take action like that, they are leaving their immunity mm-hmm. and they're taking they're 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 uh, doing something in administratively, which you don't have immunity. And so we knew they had created a huge amount of liability for themselves. So we complained to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, three judges decide with their information back to us. It says, oh, they didn't unfile it. They didn't cancel it. They're just backlogged. It's like you didn't even read our, our complaint. No, didn't read so it at all. Both of, we took both of those courts to state court. And didn't we battled there. And after we battled there, they reversed the decision. They refiled my complaint. They, the federal court ordered the clerk of the court to issue the 388 summonses. She had it finished within 48 hours. The U.S. attorneys came on board, and that's the emergency, I call it emergency Rule 11 petition that the Supreme Court has allowed to be docketed. That's that awesome. we're in conference today about. So it's it's about awareness, too. It's I mean, what the justices do is extremely important, but the fact that America is waking up – it's like your uncle tells you you're going to get the $10 million, you know, and even though he's written the will and you're not in it, he writes an addendum, right? And so if you don't have a copy of that and you go in and the attorneys are crooked and they read the will and, the, and you say, well, where's my money? Well, that's the will. You're out of luck. But if you have a copy of it and you say, wait a second, here's the addendum and yep. you're out of luck. Right. And that's what we're doing is we're showing Congress, we're showing the Supreme Court justices that we, the people, are on to the fact that they have given themselves unconstitutional immunity and that they've sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution. And Article 6 is very clear that I just mentioned. They shall be bound by this oath to this Constitution. So America is waking up to the power in the Constitution, the commitment that their representatives have, and the, the foolish and immoral and illegal immunity that they've given themselves. As a matter of fact, California and other states have perjury statutes that have the wording excludes wording that excludes politicians and the oath of office. So it's basically, hey, if you want to commit perjury, it's okay if it's the oath of office, if it's the oath to the Constitution. Right. The most important oath you can take in this country, and they've done that. So we're exposing that. 
I want to talk about that, uh, the whole immunity and what I what, what what was probably the purpose of it, and you know, like what it really is versus what it became and all that. Uh, but first, I want to take sixty seconds and talk about a sponsor, uh, Romika Designs. R O M I K A Designs dot com. Romika Designs dot com. Custom laser engraved. Well, basically anything you want. You can look around your house and go, hey, that ice bucket looks cool. I bet it would look cooler if I had my family crest engraved on it. And you mail them your ice bucket and they'll do that. Or you can buy stuff from their own website. Have it custom cut, custom engraved, awesome stuff at uh, RomicaDesigns.com. Use code Lighthouse and save yourself a couple of bucks for some of the coolest custom laser engraved stuff that you can buy. And think about that. If you're old like me, Having custom laser engraved anything was like awesome 20 years ago. Now anybody can do it. RomicaDesigns.com. Use code Lighthouse while you're there. So, yes, most elected officials have some form of immunity. And I honestly, I think, like most things in government, it was done for in you know good intentions. I believe. Let me preface this. You, you don't know me. I am a, a constitutional originalist. I'm, I'm registered to the Constitution Party. I, I believe that there are like 30-ish powers that our federal government is responsible for and that everything else they do is unconstitutional and should be dissolved. So that's where I am. I believe this, this immunity was supposed supposed to be to protect them from stupid, frivolous, liable lawsuits for comments made while standing in the well. Yeah. And I'd be okay with that if their immunity was for speech in the well of the House or the well of you know the Senate, you know, within the Capitol building. I'd be okay with that. You can lie and then we'll show you show the world that you lied. But somehow it has morphed into almost immunity for anything that they do or say. You're right. The oath of office isn't taken seriously anymore. And I think that's the brilliance of your lawsuit is that you're not saying the election was stolen and Donald Trump is the real president. You're saying there are allegations that it was stolen. And it's your job to look into it, and you didn't do that. Exactly. And what's make it what makes it even more serious? And by the way, yeah, you were referencing the Constitution that gives them speech some speech immunity on the House floor, and that's even limited. But uh, yeah, this uh, my brothers and I produced a little documentary in two thousand ten called "The Oath of Office: The Thread by Which the Constitution Hangs," and we got it to all the four thousand state delegates here in Utah, the Republican delegates. And my first interviewee was uh, Mike Lee. And I said, simply, what's, you know, Article 6, you know, demands that the oath be binding. How's it binding? And he said, he took a step back and he started thinking. He says, gosh, you know, you lose the election? And it's like, well, no, you know. And he started thinking about it. He says, there really isn't. But there should be. Well, it's not a binding oath if there's no penalty. So I'm thinking, if you're an honest person, 
and you know that it requires a binding oath, you better you better take an additional oath. You better take your congressional oath and add the words under penalties of perjury to it and in order for you to not take a fake oath. Because if in your mind you're thinking there's no penalty for breaking the oath and you know you're required to take a binding oath and you don't add those words or you just go along with it, then you're basically taking a false oath. Well, so I'm, I'm a Pennsylvania state constable. And in the state of Pennsylvania, I have... Um, I mean, got just about as much power as a Pennsylvania state trooper, but I don't use it. I um, the one thing that a constable is required to do is to uh, protect the polling stations on election day. Hmm. So you know, my little town's got five polling stations. So on election day, I put on a uniform and a gun belt and all that stuff, and I drive around to the five polling stations. I had an oath of office, like most law enforcement. I do solemnly swear to uphold and defend. Um, I don't show up on polling day. I'm fined and jailed. That's a binding oath. Yep, it certainly is. Definitely. So why? It's really. I never thought of it like that. Why is it? It's it's it specifically says a binding oath. I mean, I'm never more than a few feet away from a copy of the Constitution. And you're right. It's absolutely right. It is not a binding oath if there's not a a known penalty for it. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get so smart? <laughs> <laughs> My dad, our father. <laughs> and in 2010, Barack Obama inspired me to start reading the Constitution when he made that incredibly evil statement that the foundation of the Constitution was fundamentally flawed. So yeah, I, no. I had to read it. So I started no. getting into it. Yeah. No, no. I did um I did four hours where I went through the Constitution line by line and explained what it meant in common layman's terms, which, oh by the way, the Constitution was written in common layman's terms. So all all you have to, it, there's no legalese in there. You just have to get past the language of you know eighteenth century versus twenty first century. And Almost everything that, that the uh, left side of the aisle claims is racist is, uh, no, it was common sense and probably anti-racist. In yeah, some like way. the three-fifths clause. Yeah. Right, right. I, I, people constantly, would, my, one of my best friends is a liberal. And I told him, you know, in my opinion, the U.S. Constitution is, is uh, about as close to perfect um, as, as a human could have created. I, I often say it's you know, the closest thing to a perfect document ever penned by human hands. And he says, oh, so you think that black people are three-fifths of a person? I'm like, no. I think that the three-fifths rule was probably the best thing that could possibly have happened to end slavery because it was the three-fifths rule that kept the slaveholding states from having even more representation in Congress, you moron. Yeah. But, yeah. And that's an easy mistake to make. You know, anyone can make that mistake. So, yeah, as I studied, I found that uh, I published some several books. There's a pocket-sized book that has Q&A in the back. And uh, I claim that it's the first, uh, the first publication of the Constitution that showed that the first ten amendments amended something. Because <laughs> I don't know of any publication where you can see footnotes that shows that the first ten amendments in, amended any parts of the, of the clauses. And then I talk about 
how Congress defined the first 10 amendments as further declaratory and restrictive clauses to the seven articles and that the Bill of Rights, the term the Bill of Rights is kind of misleading. I don't really like that. And yeah, then no, I- it's not. All right, Lloyd, uh, it, is, it is break time. We're going to be back in three minutes. When we come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to open the phone lines and see if we can get some calls in, if you don't mind. And uh, I've got a funny story about one of my own books that I, I, I'd like to share before we do. But three minutes. Be right back, everybody. The next time you're looking for audio equipment, I want you to think M-A-O-N-O. That's right, Mayono.com is quality audio equipment at affordable prices. The Mayono Caster that I use for all of my broadcasting is one-third of the price of the more famous alternative on the market. Microphones, stands, cables, headphones, audio interface equipment, all at Mayono.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at M-A-O-N-O. ONO.com. National Intel Report here on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse, anywhere else you're listening to or watching the show. Let's start out by, uh, Reading Article 6, Paragraph 3 of the U.S. Constitution, the senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. But no religious request shall ever be required as a qualification of any office uh, or public trust under the United States. And shall be bound by oath or affirmation is the uh, applicable portion of that regarding your lawsuit. Now, back to the funny story about my book. I, my last book, I hate to write because I hate to read. Well, I want to hear uh, it. It's, it, it, it. The title of it is So Simple Even a Politician Can Understand. <laughs> simple Ideas for Seemingly Complex Political Issues. It's about a dozen ideas that have come to me mostly through this show, talking to guests like yourself, that um, they're just simple ideas that, that would really go a long way to solving really complex things. When I wrote this book, one of the listeners of the show bought, like, I don't know, eight copies of it and mailed them to Nancy and Chuck and all the, all the, the leadership in Washington, D.C. And I know they did. I know they actually did it because they sent me a picture of my book, like half in an envelope addressed to all of these people with the postage already paid and everything on them. And I just, I thought, <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. I love it. That's, that's that is awesome. Now the chances that Nancy or Chuck or, or uh, any of the new, who I can't remember who's in leadership now, McCarthy or any of these people that actually read it is like slim to none, but, but it's still funny that they did that. Uh, well, they, may it. they may have, and it, gosh. They may, it, well, if they did, I am definitely on a watch list. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're just joining the show, we're talking with Lloyd Brunson, one of the Bar- Brunson brothers that um, oh, he's, uh, he might be one of the f- first ever pro se def- defendants, plaintiffs. I don't know, pro se 
uh, folks yeah. to bring a case before the Supreme Court using uh, their Rule 11 and, uh, and, ex- and, and having the Supreme Court exert a certiority, which is pretty awesome. And uh, the phone line is open because this is a live call-in show. And I know there are thousands of you out there listening that probably have brilliant and insightful questions to ask. So the phone line is 512-248-8252 or, two, or, sorry, or toll-free 800-313-9443. Going to the phones, we got Harley in Indiana on line three. Harley, welcome to the show. Yes, I, I, I won't say I have a question, but, uh, you know, I, I called you before about, uh, well, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a question. Are you a resident and you a U.S. citizen? I am. Well, see, uh, accordingly, you have no constitutional rights. I, I've because, heard all of the theories. I, I, I have. I've well, heard all you of haven't theories. heard all my theories because it ain't a theory. These are Supreme Court decisions, federal decisions. Um, you know, I, I don't base it on theory. I base on documents and facts. You, know, you can go to uh, Twang versus New Jersey, Roberts versus Roberts, states, anything that issues forth from the marriage is property of the state. And that deals with uh, the lady before 6 o'clock that was talking about taking children and what they're doing with the children. And that's because the children are not their parents. They are property of the states. That's the marriage contract. Yeah. Right maybe, in the contract. Maybe, you can, maybe you can have him on another show because uh, sometimes people want to share their knowledge and it's wonderful. It's great. But this isn't the platform for that. This is a platform for questions and not uh, not sharing. Well, that's why I asked that question. And we're but both familiar. We've both been asked that question before. We've both been asked that question before. And it's a good question. And it's uh, something that should be talked about. But it's it's not applicable to what we're doing right now with this show. So, well, that's hardly. fine. Uh, you know, the problem is, is as far as it goes, and, and I'll go ahead and hang up, but there's always a different subject. Well, sure. Ask a, ask a question that's pertinent to what we're doing. Well, that's what I'm saying. This, the subject can't be talked well, about. Well, ask, ask a question. Don't, don't, be the, don't answer questions, but ask a question. <laughs> anyway, well, so well, we'll, I, I we'll, just we'll, said, you know, Harley. I'll go ahead and I'll All hang right. up. That's not a problem. Yeah. You know? But yeah. like I say, I, I, I would like to address the question. I would like to address the question too. I mean, give me. You know, I, I, I know you would, but you know, I will. I'll, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go, and I'll call some other time. You know, I mean, he wants the documents and the court cases, and uh, you know. Well, no, I'll answer the question uh, that you just asked in a minute, as soon as I'm given a okay. chance to answer it. Okay. Well, the question I asked was about the U.S. citizen because yeah, I remember you know, that. I remember the question. What we're what we're do, what we are doing is we're actually fighting in their rink. We're showing them the oath, the commitments that they've made. Now, when we started this uh, prosecution, the civil prosecution, we did it with the intent to follow their rules, whether they're wrong or right. We followed their rules better than they follow them, and because of that, we've been able to get where we are and raise awareness about the Constitution. Now, everything that's happened that has turned us into slaves or turned us into property or turned us into uppercase corporate property is null and void and unconstitutional. The Constitution that we're working with with the Supreme Court is the very one that they've sworn to uphold and defend, and we're holding them accountable to that. And as we perfect this government, then we can really, I think, really get into what you're talking about and really uh, become an advanced civilization. But right now... 
what we found most applicable in raising awareness and getting the court to reverse decisions, which the federal court has done, is hold them accountable to what they feel they are accountable to. And so that's what we're doing right now. But th th that's good information and a good question. But let's go on to the okay. next question. So I'll just take one more thing real quick is go to the post office and get a copy of the Selective Service System, and there's a brand new one out there because they do intend for the draft, and they have a new one sitting there, and it's uh, for wow. you know, where you move type stuff. And in wow. that form, there's the Privacy Act, and it tells you right there, Department of State and U.S. Citizenship and Immigration. Yeah. So uh, I'll slide at that, but it's in both documents. Great. Good information. Thanks. All right. Yes. Thank All right. Thanks for the call, Harley. Greatly appreciate it. Um, and, and Lloyd, that that was a brilliant answer. I mean, I, I uh, like you. I like to fight within the rules presented. So, uh, so when people bring up the citizenship question, I'm like, well, I am a citizen. I I'm not going to go through all of that. And and they bring up the you know the capitalization of, the capitalization of the word citizen in the Fourteenth Amendment and becoming a sovereign citizen versus yeah. you know a and I discourage that too many people have been hurt by becoming sovereign citizens. It's like fighting a battle without being a part of the army. <laughs> you you join the army and then you fight the battle. You don't go running out there. Hey, I'm right. You could be dead right. So but you your answer was was brilliant in that you're fighting within their rules, yeah. even if you know. Let's you know. Let's go to the to to the whole you know the corporation of the united states going back to the 1860s and you know yeah it's irrelevant and unconstitutional and it doesn't apply right. well that was always my argument to, right. until you know my argument was always well the u.s constitution established the united states and it, it was it was done through conventions meaning we the citizens well sure of, of the several states, of the states. and exactly. therefore in order to change that structure it would have to go to conventions of the several states too, and that didn't happen. And, sure. You know, the whole it, it, and to use the corporate analogy, you can't sell a corporation without getting buy-in from the owners and stockholders and shareholders of the corporation, yeah. Yeah. which it wasn't just, done. It so, just gets complicated for people. And I, I address the Article Five Convention in my book. I have Q and A in the back of the book that, uh -huh. that uh, a lot of these questions have never been published before. So it's it's a good question to address. So. But yeah, we're. But now that you brought it up, I have to ask: What are your opinions about the Article Five Convention? Is it a good idea or a bad idea? Well, uh, it's a good idea, but it's like let me see if I can find that question. It's like uh, uh, go on to something else real quick while I find that question. I'll just read it right out of the book because I want right, to read well, it exactly. I'll tell you my thought. See, I first found the uh, the Convention of States project um, right about the time I started becoming politically politically active. And I immediately fell in love with it. I thought it was a brilliant idea. And then, of course, I heard the arguments against it. And I went like, eh, maybe it's not a brilliant idea. And then I was like, but, 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 you know, the arguments against it are all kind of silly. And then I went back to being a supporter of the Article 5 Convention of States idea. But now I'm to the point of I don't think it matters one way or another because our government does not follow the Constitution that exists. Why would it follow new amendments well, to the Constitution? Yeah, and here, okay, here's the, here's the question. It, 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 it kind of comes, uh, brings it to a different light, I think. Uh, the question is, where in the Constitution does it state that amendments shall be valid to all intents and purposes of the Constitution, Article 5, right? So with an Article 5 convention, the decision is supposed to be valid to all intents and purposes. And some people interpret that as whatever it is, it becomes valid. 
No, it has to be valid to the intents and purposes for it to be a constitutionally uh, sound uh, uh, amendment. And so that's uh, <laughs> that's Article Five. It's like it has to align itself with the Constitution and its purpose in order to be valid in intent. It's not like you can willy nilly do anything and have it be valid to the intents and purposes. And and that's one of the biggest arguments is, is like if you get enough people together and you have one of these conventions, they're going to gut the Second Amendment. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. Well, even if they try, you know, they don't actually do anything except yeah. propose amendments that have to be ratified by three quarters of the states and if they got the second amendment that's not going to get ratified by three quarters of the states right. and i say we just we have the constitution is really perfected by the the first 10 amendments and especially amendment nine i call the interpretation clause it's never been called that before and i when i connected the dots and read amendment nine it's like this is the voice of god back to the congress defining the first 10 amendments as further declaratory and restrictive clauses to the seven articles and so the ninth amendment is so incredibly so ingenious i say it's the voice of god the enumeration and the constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So no federal government interpreting any part of the document in a way, no matter what the words are, in a way that disparage or deprive us of our rights. If that happens, it's a misinterpretation. It's misconstruing the document. And so the Amendment 9 is fantastic, unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, come on, let's, let's be honest. You ask ask 100 citizens, they probably couldn't name three of the amendments, let alone the ninth. Well, and you know why? It's because Article 1, Section 8 gives the Congress the power to fund our constitutional education. They never did it. Article 1, Section, the Militia Clause in Article 1, Section 8 gives them the power to raise funds for the disciplining of the militia. Discipline means education. For what purpose? For enforcing the laws of the unions, which is what? The Constitution of the United States. So the, 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 the constitutional spending for education has been ignored. At least the Congress published the first Bible in America. That was great. But they had the power and the fi- and the resources and the Constitution to back up them spending money on everyone that wanted to join an educational militia to educate us in the Constitution. And they've done just the opposite. So when we're children growing up through school, we don't learn what, we sh- what should be the first thing we learn about our rights, how they're unalienable. And this incredible document is there for one purpose, and that's to protect those rights. And that we don't get our rights, as you know, from the document. It's there to protect our rights. So if the education system has failed, they all they all should be. Like, like the Department of Education? No way. Anyway, love your passion, boy. Absolutely love your passion. <laughs> and I, I don't think I've heard you say anything I disagree with yet. Let's move on to somebody from your home state. Tom in Utah is on line three. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hi. Hey, Lloyd. Um, I'm aware of a case in Maple Hills uh, through a friend, but I also, I think I talked to you or your brother about a case I'm in. I'm just wondering what you anticipate is the impact in these other cases. I think the the case in Maple Hills, there was an FBI raid, if I remember right. Yeah, sure. You you mean Cedar Hills. It was in Cedar Hills. Yes, I'm familiar with the people involved in that, and they're great patriots, and they're fighters, and they support what we're doing. And every case brought against the tyrannies that are happening in this country are great. You know, we just, I just, uh, he's a, he was a defendant in that case. We're plaintiffs. We're, we're on the offensive. We're not defending ourselves. We're going after them 
independently. We're not uh, trying to protect our property or anything. We're just, we're, we're the plaintiffs pursuing them. And so the fact that we're in the Supreme Court, these people have, are excited and they've been super supportive of, of what's happening with the Supreme Court. And so it's about awareness too, knowing what our rights are and how the Constitution can be used to protect them. And our case could be a rippling effect right down to the lower level, enforcing the oath of office. Yeah, I I love that part of it. I really, really love that part of it. Thank you very much for your call, Tom. Um, If uh, if you want to help me out, support my show, I greatly appreciate it. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com. And from there, you can, uh, you know, you can hear this show as a podcast. You can become a member, which is free. And uh, you can go to the shop and buy cool T-shirts and bumper stickers. One of the most popular of which, the most popular bumper sticker is the one that says, working like crazy to support the lazy. The most popular T-shirt says, it got a big a picture, big picture of a big black AR-15 on it. And it says, it's because I'm black, isn't it? And the second most popular T-shirt it says men are from Mars, women are from Venus, all the other genders are from Uranus. So <laughs> liberty-lighthouse.com, get yourself a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or something like that. Mike in Kentucky on line five, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, one of the, you know, you talked about the preamble to the Bill of Rights, and when you look into the state constitutions, in particular Kentucky, it was uh, heavily influenced by uh, Thomas Jefferson. And the um, first two constitutions contained a clause in Section X, chi, or 10, however you want to think of that. It's Section 10. And basically it uh, prevents the duped masses from uh, canceling or voting away these truths, like the idea that you have the right to self-defense. And uh, in Kentucky they tried to change that unlawfully in 1850 but it also contains a provision in there that says you there's nothing to prevent you from emigrating out of the state so that uh even i guess being tricked into emigrating out of the state would uh uh put you under that what i've read academically was called a new deal the whole 14th amendment is considered for quite a while was a whole new deal way before FDR came up with that term. So it's like it's a whole second constitution. Is that how's that? Uh, well, and, and that's and I love how the Ninth Amendment, being one of the declaratory and restrictive clauses defined by Congress as such, has that you know shall not be construed. Nothing in the Constitution or the amendments shall be construed to deny or disparage your rights. Okay, so that, that's an incredible mission statement and governing clause of the Constitution. So it really is about awareness. We're starting my, this campaign. It's really a campaign. The letter campaign and the lawsuits is to raise awareness first to the contract we have with these guys and the, and the, and the contract with the document that we've included in our pleadings. And that's the Constitution of the United States with its amendments as published. And so this awareness campaign is showing people that they have violated our the contract and uh, we are now on to them and know it. And so we're hoping now with a pub- enough public awareness and public support that the justices could do something as, as great as cancel credentials. They actually would have that power to do that. So we'll see what happens. We're going to keep yeah, campaigning. That'd be great because, uh, you know, uh, in the art and in the founding documents, capitization 
You know, the old law professors might have taught that there is no such thing as synonyms uh, in the law. And so in that particular section of the Kentucky Constitution, it emboldened. You know, bold black letters, we declare that everything in this section is outside the general powers of government to alter or abolish. And so you get that print, the idea that there are these principles that even the duped masses with uh, mass media being owned by, you know, a f- increasingly few and few interests uh, cannot dupe the masses into voting away these rights. So even if you had this constitutional convention like you're talking about, they can't get rid of these unalienable truths that their truth truth cannot be destroyed excellent point and you use the word dupe and it's like uh it's like jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free but you can't be free if you don't know the truth and so as we know the truth as we bring this uncle sam's will to to uh, bear and we see that there's a contract here we can hold them accountable to uh, the 2010 documentary produced called The Oath of Office, The Thread by Which the Constitution Hangs. We still have a, an oath to this Constitution, so that's what our lawsuit's about, is, is raising awareness so people can it, it, it hold certainly, it. It certainly seems like they, they don't care about their oath on its face. It's ceremonial, I mean, well, and, and they're just well, breaking it every which way they can with okay. you know, this mass surveillance stuff, as William Benny points out, they've scrapped sure. the entire legal system. Sure. Right. I had an IRS agent in my home. I was helping him with a project. He wasn't auditing me. He's an auditor. And all I had to do is tell him that I was working on a project about the oath of office and the Constitution. And you would not believe the shift in his demeanor to reverence and respect <laughs> just from saying that. And he says, yeah, I took an oath and, and I haven't read the Constitution, but I know what's in it. And I take it very seriously. He started apologizing. So the power was just, hey, the oath. It's supposed to be binding in Article 6. What's up with well, that? Member of Congress? A, I mean, that's a powerful beginning and introduction to our education of the Constitution and how to apply it in ways to hold our representatives' feet to the fire and replace them with competent replacements. I've seen one, but I never got to open it. There's a lawman's Bible, and I had an elected official, badge man, sworn officer, with his lawman's Bible on his desk tell me the Fourth Amendment is dead. I'm like, what good is your oath of office then? Right. And that's exactly right. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. You got probably more callers and very little time. So I'll let you get back to it. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. I I think. I think COVID did a lot for our side of the political aisle. Um, So I live in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania went through two sets of lockdowns. You know, there there was the uh, March 15th, 2020, you know, when everybody locked down. And then we reopened, and then, you know, oh, cases are spiking or whatever, and the governor locked down the state again. And by this point, everybody was already angry. And I made it public knowledge that I would support any business that willing to violate the lockdowns. I, I actually got a tattoo because I drove by a tattoo shop that was open. I'm like, oh, got to support them. I ate at restaurants that I've never eaten at before because they were open. One of them, I went to this restaurant, I sat down, and I could hear people in the in the seats behind me talking about how the governor was violating, you know, the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, and 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 I was just I was thrilled and happy to hear people talking about this again. I went to a reopen Pennsylvania rally in Harrisburg, our state capital, and there was a a little girl, I'm going to say 
eight or ten years old. Her, her name was Brinley. And she was holding a sign that said, mandates are not laws. And I went up to Brinley and I stuck a microphone in her face. And I said, I love your sign. Can you explain it to me? And she said, laws go through the legislature. Mandates are just straight from the governor. And I just love the fact that this little girl could say that and understood that and knew that when the majority of our population doesn't understand the difference anymore. Um, so I, I, think, I think it's done some good stuff for waking up people, making people aware of problems with our government and maybe encouraging them to open up a constitution and read it every now and then. I, I have given out thousands of copies. I buy, I buy the, the little pocket versions by the thousand and I hand them out all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I have handed it to somebody who said, like your IRS agent, I've never read it. Like, yeah. How is that? How does anybody reach the age of majority in this country and never having read the Constitution? Well, it is a difficult read. And I tell people when you get stuck, keep going, take a pen or a pencil, and you'll find things that connect. Just like reading the Bible, you keep going until you find something that connects to you. And every time you pick it up and read it again, you'll find something new to underline. And so that's the way. So search it. Don't just read it, but search it. Go through, read and stop and ponder things that make sense to you and connect to you. Yeah. I, that, that's actually, that's great advice. Um, the hardest thing about our Constitution is, again, like I said earlier, getting past the 18th century language. Well, they, and, the, and, and these clauses have been hidden. Like if you were to ask any member of Congress to show you a clause that prohibits socialism, they wouldn't be able to do it. They haven't done it. Have, has anyone ever heard a co- member of Congress? No. Uh, refer to a single clause in the Constitution that would put Bernie Sanders and other socialists in their place? Well, there are political reasons they won't do it, but they're hidden in there. And that's another what I highlight in my book here. And that is the last line of the Fifth Amendment. It's very clear. They shall not have your private property, which includes your money, be taken for public use without just compensation. In other words, no to socialism. Even what the 13th Amendment and voluntary servitude is not to be allowed, and that's what that's what socialism is. So yeah, let's go, go back to the 13th Amendment, though. It does allow it for uh, part. It does allow slavery or involuntary servitude as part of a punishment for a yeah. crime when okay. you're duly convicted. Sure. But we don't even do that. Yeah, our prisoners. Yeah. I, I live that's right true. next. There are two state penitentiaries within 10 miles of my house and they've got better cable than i have yeah it's It's because we the people don't hold our representatives accountable to the document because we're not reading it so that's great that you're encouraging people to read it because as they read it then they can take it to their representatives or a town hall meeting and say hey what about this what about the binding oath what about involuntary servitude what about this the last line of the fifth amendment you know and so uh, it's an opportunity for them to hold their representatives' feet to the fire. And when you mention the Constitution, you show them a clause, it has meaning and power. Yeah, I agree. Hey, well, we only got like three minutes left, and um, we completely got off of your lawsuit. So let's wrap back around and go back to what your lawsuit is. Quick summary again of what your lawsuit is and how people can help. You got less than three minutes. Sure, it's been going on for over two years, and we've had two lawsuits against a 
against Biden, Harris, uh, Mike Pence, and 385 other former and current members of of, uh, the House and the Senate for not allowing a 10-day investigation. Now, it's interesting that both sides were accusing each other of treason. And it's like, hey, when that's happening, you better have an investigation, right? And so the federal court actually blocked my case. And because we showed them our pleadings, we, we took them to court. We took the court to court. We took two courts to state court. And after battling there, they, they, re, they released my lawsuit. They refiled it and let it move forward. And today, the nine justices of the Supreme Court of the United States have already taken a vote. If four of them vote in favor of a hearing, then on Monday, we'll probably see a date for a hearing. If they deny that, we can do another conference it's like a, it's like an appeal for a hearing date. So right now it's so important. And then the fact that they allowed it to be filed without going to the necessary court usually required. So this is the first Supreme Court petition of writ of certiorari under Rule 11 that has ever been allowed in the history of the court by a pro se litigant, someone representing themselves. And the first ever by anyone since the 70s. And the last one that we were showed happened in the 70s was by the federal government. So this is a historical time. LloydBrunson.com. Take two minutes and send a letter. Be a part of history. Definitely. Go to LloydBrunson.com. Thank you very much, Lloyd. Go to LloydBrunson.com. Pay your $2 and send a letter. It will. It's a big help. If you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, please stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thank you, Lloyd. Thank you, Dr. Jen Vandewater, for joining us this evening. Thank you, Mike, my producer. Could not do this show without you. Thank you, the listeners and callers. You're why we do this show. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. Red, white, and blue, we must take America.